Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hey everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in and taking the time to listen again. I trust that you are well and uh, hopefully this current situation will be coming to an end sometime in hopefully the, the not too distant future to the point at least where we can see many of you in person again. I want to pick up where we left things uh, last week and talk a little more about moving from the place of stuck where pain, shame and obligation keep you from moving on and talk a little more about what it takes to move to a more fruitful and healthy place full of promise. However, I need you to know that there are times in our lives that to access the life we so longingly desire, we may need to vandalise what is in order to get there. Now, I know that seems a strong word and a strong statement, and I'm going to seek to clarify that, but I would argue that these proposed acts of vandalism are a necessary part of breakthrough. Now, let me say, I'm not talking about insurrection. I'm not talking about burning people's shops and businesses. I'm not talking about turning over police cars. I'm not talking against about violence against people or property. I'm not talking about lawlessness. I'm talking about an act that may be necessary in order to facilitate the forward momentum of something that is critically important to get a result of healing and hope and health. And I'll try to explain a little more why I've used this inflammatory word, um, um, uh, uh, vandalism in order to press this message home to you. <clears throat> now last week I related to you the story of how uh, Abraham the Hebrew patriarch's father, Terah was his name, how his son, Abraham's youngest brother, had died in her of the Chaldees um, at a young age before his time. You can imagine the impact. We talked about this last week. You can go back and have a listen. And uh, how he, Terah, Abraham's father, attempted to move out and move on in his life after this uh, tragedy, this challenge. But he only got as far as the place with the same name as his dead son, the name Haran. And I, I said that I found it fascinating how, how the story is related and written and conveyed uh, using the name of the son that had died, that was the source of the pain, and the problem uh, as the same name as the uh, little town settlement in which Abraham's father, in looking to move on, uh, got stuck and stayed and couldn't get past. See, the issue is unless you engage a new mindset, you will only ever move as far as your pain and disappointment will allow now, when our hero, who turns out to be Abraham, who became Abraham, uh, this great biblical figure, uh, incredible story, incredible um, uh, lessons to learn around the story of his life, 
uh, whether you're a Bible person or not, whether you are Christian or not. It's a fascinating story if you if you look to see what this whole thing is conveying. And so, so when our hero, Abram, last week, finally himself found the boldness to break out, we, we're told three things about him because he left. He left that situation. His father never did. He, he left the situation and we're told these three things about him. We're told how he felt, how he lived and where he was looking. Now, now I have to say, um, as with a lot of ancient um, wisdom, there is a lot of um, metaphorical um, uh, implication within the way the text is written to convey to us um, uh, a mindset, a way of thinking, a way of seeing. And it's the same here. Now, uh, so, so, so there's this, there's this um, little portion of verses in the New Testament of the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11 that's talking about this story um, from the cultural perspective those people are writing, looking back, but relating the truth to try and help us not to get stuck and to move forward. Uh, and so this this is what the verses say. Let me just read them to you and then you'll see why I've said, uh, told you those three things about Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, that's his son and grandson, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Now, I, I am as comfortable with, with the way scripture is written and the Bible text is written as some of you are with the likes of Shakespeare. Um, and so to me, it's not an issue now. So for some of you, I, I, I'll just pick out what this is really firing at us. It's really firing at us that, that, that how Abraham felt, he felt like a stranger in a foreign country. How did he live? He lived in tents, not in tents. Some of you, some of you think to move on, you have to live in tents, I-N-T-E-N-S-E, intense. This is not he lived in tents. Don't get stuck there. He lived in tents, T-E-N-T-S. Uh, as did Isaac and Jacob. We've said about that. Uh, for he was, and so, so that's how he felt, like a stranger in a foreign country, how he lived in tents, where he was looking. Where was he looking? He was looking forward. So, so here's what I draw from that to try and help you right now. If you leave the place of stuck... This will be our experience too. It will be how you feel. It will be how you must live. It will be where you need to look. So what it comes to is this, that feeling like a stranger in a foreign country, that's a kind of a, it's a reality, but it's a kind of a metaphorical thing to convey to us a sense of something and, and so here's how I would put that. Feeling like a stranger in a foreign country is what happens in the mind when you move to the unfamiliar 
and don't feel you fit or accepted. Now, this is an in inevitable consequence of breaking out from the place of stuck, okay? The next thing is that the sense of living in tents is the result of living with flexibility in both structure and location. So the whole thing about living in tents was that you began to live in a place of flexibility, non-rigid structures. A tent is a non-rigid structure. A tent is movable and you can relocate a tent very easily where you cannot move a rigid structure and relocate it. Once you have established that, it becomes fixed and therefore you can have the same risk and danger in your endeavors to move on as Abraham's father had by getting stuck at Haran, which was the, the thing that brought to mind all the time his pain and that somehow he felt, even by obligation, I cannot move away from here. So living in tents is the result of living with flexibility in structure and location and not rigid structures. And then, of course, it goes on with the third thing. You cannot move forward while looking backwards. To do so is to guarantee a fall and to rob yourself of the opportunity to see anything new. But I have to say, so many, and I think the longer you live within a situation, like for example, me within the church world, the greater the danger of trying to move forward, but all the time looking backwards. So, you know, it's like a kind of a nostalgia to experiences that have been and things that were felt and how things were done. And of course, this becomes a big problem for some people, even in how they look at scripture, how they define grace, how they interpret um, the crucifixion and the resurrection and the sacrifice of Jesus, um, how they now read the Bible, um, um, what what their attitude is to, to worship and prayer and church services and what church should be and who's in and who's out. And it's like we get stuck because we're trying to look back to what gave us some security then. Uh, and the problem is, if you're wanting to move forward, but you continue looking backwards, I guarantee you, you will stumble and you will fall and you will not make it to the place that you're wanting to go in mind, heart and spirit. And you rob yourself of the opportunity to see anything new. You can only see something new if you're looking in the right direction, which is forwards. See, the story also suggests that this must be the legacy we pass on to subsequent generations because it talks about how, how um, Abraham lived like a stranger uh, in, a, in a foreign country. That's how he felt and he lived in tents and it says, as did Isaac and Jacob. Or in other words, the legacy that this, this text is asking us to pass on to people is not to get them bound into rigid thinking, rigid structures, rigid interpretations, rigid ideas, rigid literalism, so that we take those who might want to look forward and we gradually turn their necks to look back at what we look back on. And that becomes the problem. That's one of my, my, um, problems with the idea of orthodoxy. For orthodoxy, you have to look backwards 
but in the meantime claiming that by looking backwards you're trying to move forwards and the two it's a conflicting idea so so the opposite to this idea of feeling like a stranger in a foreign country living in tents looking forwards is this the opposite is to settle the opposite is to build rigid structures the opposite is to live off memories and their associated emotions rather than dreams and once there you are going nowhere so I want you to take this on board many of you in your life however this manifests in the specific personal things that you're going through right now if you won't adopt those three major things that we talked about for Abraham then you will settle you will build rigid structures to try and protect yourself and you will live off memories and their associated emotions rather than dreams and then you're going nowhere and you'll probably die there like Abraham's father did so uh, see we, we, we actually prefer the feeling of security afforded by static rigid structures and no matter how much we might criticize condemn and you know oh, I don't like my life and I don't oh, it's terrible and this that and the other and if only but actually when we get down to it many of you never move one step further than being stuck like Abraham in your harem because you prefer the feeling of security afforded by static rigid structures it's what you know it's what you're used to and we prefer that to the vulnerability of the temporary nature of the alternative we feel safer with rules than relationship we don't like anything that feels strange but the truth is to move on into anything new it inevitably initially feels strange and strange is not wrong strange is just strange because it's new and I hear so many people in the church world talking about I'll do a new thing says the Lord I'll lead you to a new place I know for a fact that they're not I was gonna say a chance in hell of them ever going there because they don't like the feeling of strange they don't like the feeling of uh, the temporary nature of what we're going through they don't like the idea that it talked about Abraham called to go to a land he would receive not knowing where he was going so unless you break that you ain't going nowhere see the challenge of being okay while feeling like a stranger in a strange environment and feeling the discomfort of the non-permanent living arrangements is not easily achieved feeling okay in that I understand is not easily achieved but that becomes one of the first challenges of moving away from the place of stuck okay setting yourself to feel okay like a stranger in a strange environment in the discomfort of, of a non-permanent now non-permanent environment now, now there's a great story recorded in the Gospels I've preached about it many times it, it, and, and I think this story I won't give you all of it there's so much more I could give but 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 it's rich with elements that press home this message so let me just read you a little bit from it. it's in Luke Luke chapter 5 
I'll read this little bit from the New King James Version. Now it happened on a certain day, verse 17, as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by, who'd come from every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem. Sounds like fun. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought a on a bed, this is the bit of the story I want to focus in particularly on. Then, behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralysed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. That's Jesus. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, we've described the crowd, you told who the crowd are, they went up on the housetop and they let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Now, think about it. The guy's paralysed. He's laid out. He's on a bed. He's got four friends. That would not have been a small hole. They have to create within that structure an access point that would require them dismantling huge parts of what had previously been built for a purpose, with purpose, but was now standing in the way of the reality that needed to become manifest. Like I say, much more I could say in my analysis of this story, but some of that for another occasion. See, this story is centred around paralysis. Healing the paralysis is the objective of the exercise. Now it goes off in very different directions that if we had the time we would talk about all of those. It's fascinating. Like I've said to you before, uh, one of the greatest dangers and problems to our understanding of the divine, of God, of spirituality, of the Christ, of the spirit in us, is, 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 um, is literalism. This thing is rich with something to say way beyond and through and within whatever might be the literal detail recorded here. See, paralysis is another example of being stuck. Do you get that? Okay. Now, again, I, I'm, this is a disability that I'm very aware of and conscious of for those who happen to be um, paraplegic or quadriplegic and something very conscious of. But this illustration is used here because it is trying to bring home that idea that paralysis is another example of being stuck and unable to function to the fullness for which you were designed. This is why this is used at the, at the core. And the image is one of a room. Remember the wanting to bring this paralysed person to... Jesus in the belief that if they can get the paralysis to the right place, life will return to the body and the body will function in the way that it was designed to function. And, and so the image we're given is one of a room packed with the kind of people who always oppose and object within a rigid structure, the house, and you can't get in. Now, some of you are right with me already there. Some of you see that as such a picture of what 
the church has become, evangelicalism has become, the institutionalized religious thing that, that built around what Jesus never came to create a religion. We know they never came to start a religion, but dear Lord, we've done a wonderful job in creating one and I think misrepresenting him in so many ways. Uh, but I'm grateful for all who've been, had their lives touched and been introduced to the Christ because of that. But um, I'm so used to this issue of this room in a rigid structure being packed full of people who always seem to have one agenda in mind which is to oppose and object from their rigidity and uh, uh, and you can't get in you know and I sometimes wonder whether what's happened in church life is we've made it impossible for most people to ever get anywhere near uh, the feet of Jesus and whatever he represents uh, in in his manifest form or the the reality of of word made flesh divine being able to be seen interacted with touched and lives changed because of the spiritual uh, connection and release uh, and I think we've created an environment where very often they can't get in and we're so petty arguing about stupid things missing the point uh, that accessibility has been limited. Uh, now you're getting me off on one of my pet peeves there, uh, so I'll, I'll shut up a little bit about that. But this whole thing, it's the definition of obstacles and obstruction. And, um, you know, they come in life, they're part of life. And sadly, within the situation of us wanting to get from stuck to free, from paralysed to whole... There are obstacles and obstructions often usually there because of rigid structures um, and because of rigid ideas and rigid concepts and rigid people who are not strangers in a foreign country, do not live in tents and are not looking forward. And that scenario was keeping the friends of this, this man in the story from getting to where he needed to be. But the good news is, and this is why I started where I started, they refused to stay stuck. I am so grateful that uh, these four friends were not going to be bound by the rigidity of uh, convention. Uh, but they were prepared to, what many would say, break the rules, challenge the status quo, interfere with the, with the prescribed decencies because they recognized that what needed to occur could not occur while ever those rigid structures, rigid ideas, rigid people were left unchallenged and in place and they refused to stay stuck. So the, the way to the place that they wanted to be so think of it here's the rigid structure it's full of these people who are just as rigid and unmovable and inflexible the way to the place they wanted to be the feet of Jesus the place of renewal the place of change the place of a new understanding uh, the place of life that place that they wanted to be lay in in the the way to the place that they wanted to be lay in the courage that they had to dismantle an existing structure which was denying access to the life 
they were looking to see revealed. Now, every religious, non-religious, whatever, every, every pastor, preacher, whatever, who has ever preached this, every, every Christian um, uh, believer who has ever talked about this, will wax lyrical about how amazing it was that these four friends uh, dismantled the roof of this house to lower the bed of this paralyzed man to the feet of Jesus and how wonderful it was when actually most of them, and I would say for a long time most of us, uh, we're missing a vital element here that, that in order for them to access this life and get past the obstacles, they committed what would be considered by some an act of vandalism. Now, this is why I said this is a great word if it's used in the right way. See, is it not an act of vandalism to go up on the roof of somebody's house, somebody's building, somebody's structure, what someone has built, what someone has invested in, and start dismantling it and taking it apart so that you can resolve the need that you are carrying at that point in time? It sounds like disrespect to what has been. It sounds like it sounds like devaluing history. It sounds like dishonouring people. Uh, but so many people don't stop to think about this element. And I think it's there for this very clear reason that you cannot get to some places unless you're prepared to vandalise the existing structure. So they began dismantling the structure that stood between them and life until they got a breakthrough. And as I said to you earlier, if you think about lowering a bed through that roof and four guys and having to see and all that, that stuff, this, this was a pretty, a pre <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> a pretty expense, extensive act of vandalism. You can call it anything you wish, but it was vandalism. It's not just about making a hole big enough to have a peek but small enough not to ruffle any feathers or upset anybody because this is what, unfortunately, this truth becomes with most people who are looking for a breakthrough and a change and to get away from stuck. Oh, well, I'll just make a hole in the structure uh, just, just big enough to have a peek and see what's going on, but small enough not to ruffle any feathers or upset anybody. Listen, it takes a boldness and a courage to say, I don't care. If bucket loads of dust and broken tile fall on those people below who are part of the obstacle to what needs to happen, I am going to get a breakthrough. We're going to get a breakthrough for the sake of something other than just ourselves. Because remember, it was the friends for a paralyzed man. But we cannot let the structure stand between us and the life that we need to experience. So they began to vandalize, is that word again? So it might not be comfortable with that, you better get used to it because that's what they did. They began to vandalize the existing structure with a hole big enough to get a resolution. Now the, the text seems to validate this act of vandalism on the structure by its lack of condemnation and glorification of the result. So I'm on good ground in, uh, in presenting this to you.
Do you know what the result of this act of vandalism was? The result was not condemnation, judgment. Now, I don't know. It, there may have been condemnation and judgment from the Pharisees, teachers of the law, all these legalists and people who were in there. I'm sure they would have had a whinge and something to say about what was happening, as is always the case. Um, um, but but forget that because, yeah, there may have been that whinging and moaning, but, but the, the result of this act of vandalism on the structure was that they found themselves in a place of love, acceptance and grace. And that grace healed the paralysis. It broke the stuck. And that's where I want you to be. That's what I want you to understand comes when we, we get a grasp on this and we become committed to the idea that we will feel like strangers in a foreign country. We will have to live in tents, which is this uh, flexible, movable, non-rigid situation and we will have to look forward not backwards and in doing that it might seem that we're disregarding all kinds of things but the truth is we have to press into life not just for ourselves but for every paralyzed person every stuck person every person who who needs to get by that whole idea that we have rigid structures and and personal structures that stop people having access to the real truth of what the good news is all about. Now, I cannot, the, 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 I cannot promise you a journey without challenges, but I can offer you a way out of stuck. See, in that thing where there may have been an act of vandalism, but they found themselves in that place of love, acceptance, grace, and that grace healed the paralysis, there was no stuck in the story anymore that's my desire for you can't promise that journey without challenges but i can offer you the way out of stuck so come on join the band of strangers moving to the place of promise who have chosen tents over temples and look forward not back i'm trying to commit my whole life to being this so that not only myself, but also what I give as a legacy to you can bring you to a place of promise, not a place of stuck. That's the call to faith. And that's the embracing of a new reality that I would like for you today that is within reach and is possible. But you're going to have to be bold. But if you'll be bold and you'll be willing to break through the structure, I know that you'll find the grace that you need to free you from stuck. I love you. I'll catch you again later. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.